When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. We are back. Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Once again, my name is Faraz Sadiqi. We're here with Zach Rizzuto. We're talking NFC West today. We're previewing all four teams in the division. Letting you guys know who we're targeting, who we're avoiding. Just overall thoughts about how we think these teams are going to be operating in 2023. we got the Seahawks, we got the Cardinals, we got the 49ers, and the Rams. Zach, who's winning this, this division? Who's winning this division? The easy pick would be to say the 49ers. And I think I'm going to go with the easy pick. <laughs> I just don't think anybody's going to. They have a good defense. They have a loaded offense. I don't care who they start at quarterback. I mean, if they choose, they should be choosing between Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. Sam Darnold, I'm not even thinking about him. But they have two quality starting quarterbacks on their roster. They'll be just fine. I don't see a way that they don't win the division. Again, the Cardinals are going to be hot trash. The Seahawks, I, I like the Seahawks, but not as much as the 49ers. So I think the Seahawks are a popular second pick. And then the Rams, I think, are third. Um, they're going to have Matthew Stafford back. They're going to have Cooper Cup back. I don't know how they're going to play. I think they're going to be just fine. I think they'll be more competitive than they were last season. But I don't see them challenging either the Seahawks or the 49ers you know, kind of take those one or two spots. So I think this one might be telegraphed already. I might have my bets in on this. You know, maybe I should go play some after this podcast. I feel like that's a pretty solid ranking right there. It's 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 amazing that we have no idea who the quarterback is for the 49ers, but we're just shooing them in as the division winners. Um, you know, last you week... look at their we roster. Thought, it's just so yeah. much better, I think, than almost any other team, even not even in the division, but also the league. Like, it's complete. I mean, it doesn't really matter who's starting a quarterback. We saw that with Brock Purdy last season. He wasn't anything special. All you have to do is be able to, you know, make the passes that you have to make. And it worked out fine for them. That's amazing, man. But, um, you know, we did talk about the NFC East and AFC East last week. So make sure to tune into those episodes for those eight teams. Um, Let's get into some news and notes. And, you know, we'll get to the DeAndre Hopkins news last since he is part of this division. And we'll flow right into breaking down uh, what's left of the Cardinals. But first, uh, ESPN's Michael DiRocco writes that the Jaguars didn't want to see Travis Etienne taking 74% of the running back carries again. And, you know, this is in line with what, with what we've been talking about this offseason, right? They drafted Tank Bigsby in the third round. He's a good running back. They also have Dearness Johnson. And, you know, combine that with what Doug Peterson has been saying about lightening up Etienne's workload, it all points to a legit timeshare. You know, Thunder... Yeah and lightning type of combination here with tank, I think being the thunder ETN being the lightning, right. Um, mm. You know, who gets goal line carries? Like, I think that remains to be seen as well. Um, you know, ETN wasn't the most efficient goal line back last year, something to monitor there. Um, but I think tank Bigsby is good enough to take away legitimate touches from ETN. I still think ETN is going to be like the one a in this backfield, but I think it's going to be relatively close. And Doug Peterson has been talking about this. So, not a surprise that they took Bigsby there. 
And I think we shouldn't be surprised uh, with what we're expecting going into the season. Yeah, I completely agree. I look at it kind of as a situation like the commanders had last season, you know, where Brian Robinson was the thunder. Antonio Gibson might have been the lightning. Obviously, I think Travis Etienne's better than better than Antonio Gibson. But I think if I had to predict what like a timeshare between them would look like, that's kind of what I envision. You know, especially like you said with Doug Peterson, the way he's historically run offenses, he hasn't really had a specific lead back. You know, it's just kind of by committee, that kind of thing. And I look at Travis Etienne's current ADP on underdog. It's the RB12. Does that feel a little bit rich for you? You know, considering the fact that, you know, Tank Bigsby was drafted in the third round, that's relatively high draft capital. Do you think that might be a little bit rich for you to target him Hell at yeah. RB12? Do you see yeah. it coming down? Uh, it should. But RB12 for Travis Etienne right now, that's way, way too high for me, man. I don't think he's going to finish as an RB1. I do think the offense is going to take a step forward. But, like, if we're projecting Tank Bigsby to, to be a big part of this backfield, I don't see a world where Etienne is, you know, finishes as an RB1, especially because he's not catching passes. He was on the field, you know, like, like I just mentioned, 74% of snaps last year. That should come along with a good amount of work in the receiving game. He didn't get that. He didn't earn those targets. So I'm I'm not expecting that this year either. Right. Yeah. With, with Travis Etienne, I look at it as, you know, he's the receiving. He was the receiving guy last season. He wasn't like that fantastic at it anyway. So now that what's, what's his name? Tank Bigsby is coming in. I think that this is going to be pretty bad news for Travis Etienne as a workhorse. He's not going to get that type of workload anymore. So for me, RB12 definitely feels a little bit rich. I could see him having, you know, I think he has weak um weekly rb1 upside you know he might finish sure. inside the top 12 a couple weeks here or there um i could see him scoring 10 touchdowns too on limited touches you know kind of tony pollard-esque but i don't think yeah. that he's going to be able to return on this rb12 price um especially with tank bigsby there so yeah that's a really important thing to, you know keep in mind when you say i saw that report too when it came out and i thought you might be a little bit upset about that because i know you were a big travis etn guy I last am. season i am i still am you still are okay but- but I, 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 I think I'm trying – I, I have been a Travis Etienne guy since he came into the league. However, I do think that Bigsby is good enough to take right. away from Etienne. And we saw what Etienne was capable of last year. He had a lot of big plays. But, you know, he could have done a little bit better given the opportunity that he had, to yeah. be honest. Okay. That, moving that's on. That's fair. Yeah. Apparently, Jimmy G did, in fact, fail his physical – earlier when he signed with the Raiders and he had to have foot surgery after signing with them. And it's possible that if he doesn't get back in time, the Raiders can void his contract. That's according to pro football talk. So take that with a grain of salt. Uh, We always do when any reports come from them, but I personally doubt that this ends up happening because this, this would be a really like really, really bad situation for the Raiders um, if they end up do voiding his contract. But you know, Jimmy is not healthy right now. Okay, that's something to monitor. Brian Hoyer is their current backup at the moment. So it looks like we're about to see uh, Carson Wentz (laughs) on the Raiders soon. (laughs) I saw that somewhere. Somebody tweeted that out, and it's hilarious. Carson Wentz on the Raiders. And that wouldn't be far-fetched if this whole scenario would go down. But like you said, I don't see that happening. Like, we hear about this kind of stuff, like these real minute things. Oh, this could happen. That could happen based on some clause and a contract in case of that i don't see it happening i think jimmy g is going to be fine you know if he ends up missing a little time oh well you know i i don't think they're going to drop um their plans to have him as their quarterback at this point in the offseason you know they get they signed him in 
their first wave of free agency is what it was, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. So, like, this was an early signing. They knew that's who they wanted as their quarterback. I don't think they view him as a long-term answer, but, you know, a short-term bridge. Maybe they could, like, get a rebuild underneath them while they do this. I, I think that Jimmy G is the quarterback in Las Vegas. So, I'm not expecting him to have any issues. Sure, he failed his physical, but until we see something actually getting closer to him, maybe not even being with the team, you know, I I'm just kind of letting that float in the wind. I'm not paying too much credence to it. So you're still drafting Devontae Adams? I think I'm drafting you know, him regardless. Underdog right now. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I'm drafting him regardless. I mean, it's Devontae okay. Adams we're talking about. And he's – I don't want to say he's quarterback-proof because he's had two good quarterbacks. Derek Carr is good enough. Aaron Rodgers was great. Um, but I'm not too worried about him. He's going to command targets. He doesn't, you know, fall behind other guys. It's not like he's going to get out-targeted by Jacoby Myers regardless of who's playing quarterback. But Brian Hoyer, I don't want to see him. Starting week one, that's just me. Now, I, 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 I said it's like ouch. I, I will, I will say on my recent underdog drafts that I've been doing, you know, Garrett Wilson, Amara St. Brown, Ceedee Lamb, those low end wide receiver ones that have been on the board like late first round, early second, and when Devonte Adams is still on the board, it's been hard for me to click his name, man. It has. Yeah. I, I can't. I have to be honest. All right, but that's just me. All right, a few quick OTA notes. Uh, wide rookie wide receiver for the Colts, Josh Downs, is dealing with a knee injury. Uh, apparently minor, according to their head coach. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, Anthony Richardson is currently splitting snaps with Gardner Minshew at OTAs. It's very possible that we see Anthony Richardson start week one. He's already splitting reps with the veterans, so that, that's good news for him. Yeah. Uh, moving to the Lions, uh, David Montgomery has a leg injury that he suffered during position drills. Jameer Gibbs also missing some OTA time with an ankle injury. So, you know, no idea how yeah. severe either one is <laughs> at this point. So we're staying tuned uh, on that. They need DeAndre Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly they That's need terrible. DeAndre Swift. Oh, oh man. Too <laughs> funny. Too um, let's see. Uh, Javante Williams is practicing in a limited capacity. Makes sense, given the extent of his injuries and his recovery. Yeah. Uh the Athletics Don, I'm sorry, the Athletics Dan Duggan writes that it's hard to see a substantial role immediately for rookie wideout Jalen Hyatt. You don't say, Dan. You don't say. <laughs> Literally, what I've been saying, what I said last week during the our NFC East preview episode. Yeah. Just tune into that episode for more on that situation. Uh, a lot of people want to peg Eric Gray as the three-down handcuff to Saquon Barkley. They just drafted him. I think it was in the fifth round. Uh, but the athletic Charlotte Carroll believes that Matt Breida is the safe number two option behind Saquon Barkley this season. Okay, so if you're drafting Eric Gray as a handcuff, he might not be that handcuff that you're thinking that he is. Um, not saying to draft Matt Breida either because this could be a, a legit timeshare behind mm -hmm. Saquon. It's just that it's just so that, like, you know, Matt Breida would be, like, the, the first guy up basically the one yeah. a if Barkley were to miss time okay yeah yeah so just keep that in mind all right now the big one DeAndre Hopkins released by the Cardinals they couldn't find a trade partner they couldn't find a team willing to give up capital and take on Hopkins contract so Hopkins now has the ability to sign with whichever team he'd like to sign with the Chiefs and Bills obvious fits for him um, they don't have much cap space, so they have to do some cap magic, be a little creative to make that right. happen, which is very possible. Uh, but it does seem like both of these teams are actually very interested. Uh, Jeremy Fowler is reporting that the Bills and Chiefs are 
in an arms race for Hopkins. Um, there was another report that said that, um, you know, these two teams are the teams that were being aggressive in trying to trade for him, but they couldn't get a deal worked out probably because of the contract. Um, right. And it's interesting because like a little bit of a side note for Kadarius, Tony, um, you know, Chiefs are viewing him as like a legit number one type receiver. So they might not be as aggressive, which seems a little silly to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but what, another thing that's interesting is that, you know, is there going to be a dark horse team that comes in and just offers Hopkins like way more money? Right. Mm. And does he does he take it? I, you know, I think that's the question. Right. Like, is he going to join a uh, contender for, you know, I think less money because both these teams have a little bit of a cap situation, um, right. which makes sense because two of the best teams who are very wide receiver needy right now. Um, that's the question. So, you know, I, yeah. I, I would I'm really interested to see what happens. What are your over, overall thoughts about the situation? I wouldn't say the. Bills are wide receiver needy. You know, I, I think that I think they have Stephon Diggs. I like Khalil. Shakir. That's it though. Gabe Davis is there. Yeah, I mean, that's it. They just drafted Dalton Kincaid. He's not a wide receiver, obviously, but he's a tight end. They have guys, I think, more than the Chiefs. And I, like you said, sure. I wouldn't be putting all my eggs in the Kadarius Tony basket just because you know injuries obviously have kept him off the field for a long time, and he hasn't really produced as you know a true wide receiver one like they say they're supposedly viewing him as so that's interesting to me i think let me uh, Hopkins, go ahead let me pose a question for you too though okay all right the chiefs won a super bowl last year without yeah. their wide receiver without like legit wide receivers like juju was their best wide receiver you mm-hmm. know he didn't come through when you needed him a lot of the times even for the chiefs they won a super bowl the yeah. bills i think one of the reasons why they couldn't get it going you know, late in the playoffs was because they didn't have a, that uh, that other weapon. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I kind of feel like even though it would be great for the Chiefs, you know, on, on the depth chart, on paper, they need a wide receiver. But they can mm. kind of get it done with that one. And Patrick Mahomes kind of proved that, you know, last year. And yeah. would and Josh Allen, he needed Stephon Diggs to come over to, you know, for him to take that next step. Patrick Mahomes didn't necessarily need that, although he did have Tyreek Hill as soon as he and Ke- Kelsey when he's yeah. on the field. So <laughs> Patrick Mahomes has Kelsey, not not much behind him. Josh Allen has Stephon Diggs, not much behind him. I think both these teams, you know, could use that guy. They could use him. And if I'm DeAndre Hopkins, I view it as, you know, he's made his money in his career. You know, he negotiated that deal with the Cardinals. He's one of the highest paid wide receivers, you know, in league history. That's fine. I think at this point he's looking to just join a contender. Either of those teams make sense. I think the Chiefs are a safer bet personally, but that's just might just be because, you know, they won the Super Bowl and the Bills didn't. The Bills have yeah. the talent. They just have to put it together. The Chiefs, I think, with Patrick Mahomes, I don't see how if he was offered money, a good amount of money, that he doesn't go to the Chiefs. And I'm yeah. kind of intrigued that if DeAndre Hopkins goes to the Chiefs, I think Kadarius Tony could do really well as a wide receiver too. Two or one B, whatever you want to call it. I think he could do really well with a running mate. I think he could really do some numbers, that kind of thing. So that, I think, would be the ideal spot for me for DeAndre Hopkins to go. But I saw like a tweet or a sleeper update either yesterday or the day before that he had posted a Jets logo on his <laughs> Did you story click or it? something like that. Did you I click it or no? It. No. <laughs> okay. So if you clicked it, then you would have known that is like, you know, is it an Easter egg or not? Like he basically just posted like a random picture. Okay. Yeah. And there was like TVs in the background. And you know, like the ticker on the bottom of like ESPN. Right. Yep. Like, they just happened to be talking about the Jets. So there's a little Jets logo on the TV. All right. That's all it was. 
That's all it was. It's fair. It's fair. All right. Now, well, why did he post it? It seemed right. like he posted it with zero context. Yeah. Okay. So was he? Is he just? And you know, I feel like Hopkins just like, tries to rile the people up. Like, is it just me? Is this he's like Aaron Rodgers? This, I feel like it he's is. He's kind of been you know doing this all off season, where he's just like giving little hints here and there, going on, <laughs> going, going on. I'm athlete talking about the quarterbacks he wants to play with mm-hmm. while still a part of the Cardinals. Like, come on, dude. You know, what early I'm saying? in the so off I season, feel like, yeah. yeah. He early in the off season, he was at the Cowboys training facility, training with Des <laughs> Bryant. It's like that kind of thing. I tell you what, that got me riled up a little bit. I, I was right. thinking maybe you know something was going on there, but nothing. He, he's so now, getting. He's getting every like fan base like hyped up that like he's gonna yeah. come over. Because you know? who doesn't want so. DeAndre Hopkins, right? <laughs> exactly. 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 Um, but no, I listen, I agree. Like, if you had to ask me, like, hey man, where do you want him to go? Like, I want him to go to the Chiefs. Yeah. Where's the second place you want him to go? I, I, I kind of want him to go with the to the Bills. Now I will say this. If he goes to the Bills, um, you know, you gotta think about the impact that that's gonna have on Stefan Diggs. You know? Mm-hmm. And I, I like I would love Hopkins there, and I think Hopkins' you know value would go way up if he's on the Bills. But you know, it's going to be it'll be interesting to see like you know if he's Stephon Diggs, you know where does that target share end up going? I still think he's a elite talent. Um, yeah. But you know, it's going to be interesting. It's going to take some target share away. I, I I really do think that. And and on top of that, you have Kelsey on the other side on the Chiefs. What does that do to him? Right. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, it's going to help. You know, both offenses. It's going to help both mm-hmm. these guys get open. Um, so I think both them, both guys will be able to perform regardless of whether they add DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how much of a hit they end up taking if that were to be right. the case. Let's talk about a little bit of the fantasy fallout here, you know, on the Cardinals. Um, Hollywood Brown becomes the de facto number one target in this offense. No Kyler Murray for the start of the season. Um, if they stink, we might not even see him this year. Like they could just let him yeah. heal for 2024. And who knows whether that's with the Cardinals or not, because Caleb Williams is going to be an option if the Cardinals end up with that number one pick next year, right? The Cardinals literally right. made that same decision when they dumped a highly drafted Josh Rosen for Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick. So the difference here, though, is that Murray has shown game changing ability um, and has the ability to be a top quarterback in the NFL. Right. So, di- yeah, kind of, you know, pretty different quarterback situation here. But, you know, going to be going to be interesting to see how that situation plays out. Yeah. You mentioned Caleb Williams. That's like a way in the future for me, you know. But Kyler Murray, I don't really see a situation depending on how his recovery goes. I'm not sure how it's going and how what it's going, what he what time he might end up missing. But they're paying him a lot of money. Right. Like this season, regardless. So, I don't know if they just let it go. That That's just me. I mean, if he needs the time to recover and you're really just like tanking, I could maybe see it happening. But I think he'll be back at some point because you also have to consider, um, you know, obviously from the financial side of it and the business side of it, like who's going to come out to see a game that Colt McCoy is playing, especially if he's ready by halfway through the season. You know what I mean? Like if they have Kyler Murray available, I think that they would play him. So I'm not worried about him missing the entire season unless things really are just like down the toilet. But we talked about this kind of you and I. Well, um, what if Kyler Murray comes back? You know, like, what if he's ready by like week eight? Okay. Right. But the Cardinals are 0 and 7, which is a very likely possibility. Yeah. Right. Like, totally reasonable. Why bring him back? You know what I'm saying? Like, go to just... 11 and 7. <laughs> no, they I don't mean, have a I, roster I, to go 11 and 7 I, after they yeah, start. Yeah. And, and like, 
the other thing is too, it's like this is a brand new coaching staff, right? Cliff Cliff is out, right? We got a bunch yep. of new guys in, um, different regime. Who knows? Also, like, I don't know, man. Like, this is a completely different regime, too. So who knows, man? Let, this is this is a, it's gonna be an interesting situation. Let's say they go 0 and 7, like you said, or they have a really horrific season. They don't win more than two or three games, right? Yeah. What are the odds that they just completely blow it up? Even get rid of um who's their defense? Jonathan Gannon is now the head coach down there, right? Yeah. So yep. he's a defensive guy. Like, yeah, I don't see him really like, you know, meshing with a quarterback and being like, this is the next quarterback head coach duo like Andy Reid and Mahomes. If they have a bad season, they could just blow it up, get rid of, move on from Kyler Murray, move on from the head coach and start completely new Caleb Williams and the new head coach, well, whoever they decide to bring I, in. Like, man, they could blow it up. I, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of viewing him as like the part of this new regime. You know what I'm saying? They already got rid of Hopkins. They get rid of they can get rid of Kyler Murray. This is remember this is a a, a brand new uh, general manager as well, right? right? So it's not the same GM that drafted Kyler Murray, and this is also not the same GM that gave Kyler Murray the contract. So this is a completely different situation, and you know it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing. They might want to go in a completely different direction uh, next season and get you know another quarterback, you know rookie quarterback contract. Even though if you're drafting someone number one overall, they still have a legit contract. Uh, yeah. But it does. It, it's definitely cheaper than what they're paying Kyler Murray. That's for sure. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, man, and you know, it it it, it was the, the fact that they were able to get all those picks for that number three overall, right? This year from from the Texans, yeah. that was a great great move by them. So you know, they, and they, they still might got be Paris all... Johnson too. Like exactly, it, their quarterback exactly. is going to be like going in with. Swiss cheese in front of him. You know what I'm saying? 100%. 100%. Um, and they could they can continue to short that offensive line, too, with all the picks that they have. Right. Um, now, I, 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 we digress about what we were talking about with Hollywood Brown. Like, I think I was out on Hollywood, you know, with Hopkins there, um, if there was going to be no Kyler especially. But now I think there will be enough volume for Hollywood to be okay. The problem is, you know, the upside probably isn't there, right? So it's yeah. like, you know. Am I avoiding Hollywood? I don't know if I'm avoiding him, um, but he is a number one. He's being drafted as the wide receiver 35 in the sixth round on underdog right now. Are you mm. avoiding Hollywood still, even though he's the number one? No, I'm not avoiding him, but I'm tempering expectations because no Colt McCoy quarterback offense is going to have upside to support like a wide receiver one. You know what I mean? But at wide receiver 35 price, I don't know if that market, you know, the price has adjusted to account for DeAndre Hopkins not being on the team yet. So, you know, if you're drafting now, you're doing your best ball draft for underdog, that kind of thing. You know, I'm perfectly fine with that. Like he could have some upside. I don't think he's going to be a frequent wide receiver one, like on a weekly basis. But I think a solid wide receiver two some weeks, I, I think he can meet that. You know, I don't think he's going to be a liability in, in your lineup. If he's your wide receiver three or flex, like I think you're in really good shape. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And you know, you, you know, you you mentioned um, the quarterback situation there. You know, it, man, like Colt McCoy, man, uh, Colt, like, how long is he gonna last? Right? They, they drafted Clayton right. Tune, obviously <laughs> late. You know, Clayton Tune can easily get some opportunity this year. You know, I'm just saying, like for those in yeah. super flex leagues, like I think Clayton Tune should be on your radar as like a low end QB three. Who could get propped up to like a top twenty-five quarterback, you know? If, um, you know, if Colt McCoy just do isn't isn't doing it, you know, right. I can totally see that situation. Does Colt McCoy out. ever do it? <laughs> he, he doesn't do know. it, man. He doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. Like they didn't have much of a choice last year without Kyler Murray, but 
Yeah. You know, it is what it is. Now, I am excited about rookie wide receiver Michael Wilson. Um, you know, he was the heir apparent to the X receiver role behind Hopkins, and it looks like they, that they drafted him for exactly the situation. Yeah. They drafted him in the third round. He has a pure X receiver. They, tri- they cut Hopkins. Like, hello. Right? Oh, so yeah. if all goes yeah. well in camp, I think he'll be starting for them. Like, you know, I can't be too excited for him in year one, obviously, given the quarterback situation, but I am excited for him, you know, to get on the field this early. And this is good for his dynasty stock. Like, I'm not necessarily drafting him earlier than I would be in rookie drafts after this news, because I think the real impact will be in 2024 anyway, um, you know, if it ever happens. But just remember that now you got the draft capital. You got the fact that you got the fact that he's likely starting in year one. Um, that it just improves his overall value. So, yeah, Michael Wilson, you know, good for him that he's able to get some extra opportunity early on in his career. That's um, and it's you huge. Know, he's kind of been on like an upswing this entire offseason, and it was like yeah. sparked by that one tweet that you put out. <laughs> you put that tweet out. You had you interviewed him, right? Yeah, that's what you did. Yeah, so that went out, and you said it went, you know, pretty good. The engagement, yeah, on Twitter, that yeah. kind of thing. And it seemed like that kind of started it. And yeah, we can't attribute it at all to that, but I think that's a pretty funny thing to mention because, like, I remember you texted me about it. You said this tweet's going off. You know, this kind of thing about this Michael Wilson guy, and now here he is. He might be starting year one. <laughs> I, I just think that's funny. Yeah, no, I mean, like Michael Wilson. If you type in Michael Wilson on Twitter, um, you know, it's going to be one of the first few few tweets that you see, pro- probably. But um, I, there is no way that you know NFL GMs who were interested in Michael Wilson did not see that interview because, you know, it's uh, it was pretty hyped up and, you know, mm-hmm. it just kind of shows you what kind of guy he is. And of course, NFL GMs are interested in the type of guy that he is, you know, outside of the interviews that they've done with right. him. Um, now we spoke about James Conner as a value last week, right? There's going to yep. be a ton of check downs to Conner, right? He's already been a target earner his entire career. And without Hopkins, there's going to be a ton of targets available. A lot of times when there's a lack of like, you know, other wide receivers and tight ends to target. A lot of times the running backs um, take advantage of that with extra targets going their way. Um, you know, these low-end quarterbacks too, they're going to check it down a ton, right? And we saw it last year. Um, Connor was the RB4 in the second half of the season after Kyler got hurt. He was the RB10 for the course of the season in fantasy points per game. Um, so he's being drafted as an RB27 right now. The offense is going to be so bad that people might not even want to draft him at that price. They just want to like completely avoid him. And I get it. But at that price, like I'm all in pretty easily, you know. Yeah. Um, and I understand the touchdowns like won't be there as often, but the targets and the overall opportunity is going to be there. And I don't see how that's he doesn't have like a mid RB two floor, even like high end RB two floor, you know, at some point, right. even without the touchdowns. <laughs> that that's 100 percent how I'm looking at. It. And really, James Conner's the only offensive, you know, fantasy player that I want, you know, on this team. I mean, yeah. outside of that. He's the only one that I think is going to be like guaranteed a solid workload, solid production week after week after week. And it's funny because, you know, we've talked about him as value last year and now he's value this year, that kind of thing. But for completely different reasons, you know, like you said, the touchdowns aren't going to be there. I 100% agree. But the workload, the volume, it's going to be there. It doesn't matter if he gets 20 touches. You know, I think he's liable for 12, 13, 15 points pretty easily a week. And, I'll take that in my lineup any day for a guy that's going as low as he is. Hell yeah, man. And there, there's been a lot of questions around Rondell Moore. Here's the thing. We don't have much evidence that their new offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing, 
will run a lot of 11 personnel, right? Right. Um, the Cardinals lived in 11 personnel last year. Um, so the slot receiver was on the field for almost every play. I'm not sure that will be the case this year. So Moore is probably off my draft list. Um, if they do yeah, end up running more too. three <laughs> wide receiver personnel, which is what I mean when I say 11 personnel for someone like Moore who runs a lot of short routes, like I can see him getting a little bit of opportunity. But you know, this offense is going to look drastically different without Cliff Kingsbury in terms of personnel groupings. Um, you know, right. Petsing was with the Browns, who didn't, who definitely didn't run much eleven personnel, and he was with the Vikings before that with Mike Zimmer, who also didn't run eleven a ton of. He also didn't run a ton of eleven personnel. So, not sure how much Rondell Moore is going to be on the field this year, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not a big Rondell Moore guy at all this season. And when I say not a big Rondell Moore guy, I mean like he's off my radar. He's he's my avoid for this, you know, little yeah. Um, set, I don't know what call it, series that we're doing on Instagram. Yeah. He's my avoid. I, I don't like Rondell Moore in any type of, you know, draft format this season because I just don't see him being a big player in his offense with the quarterback situation the way that it is. It's one thing to be a, a Marquise Brown it, and Michael Wilson, you know, getting those starts. But I think Rondell Moore, he's just not going to be able to get it done for you on a consistent enough basis for me to say, yeah, I'm going to draft him. You know, you can draft him at the end of your draft if you want. But I'm not projecting hardly anything for him this season. Like, he's not going to be yeah. fantasy relevant. We're not going to be having many discussions around him besides this maybe a waiver wire ad. And I think that's kind of his ceiling for this season. Yeah. Now, we have seen uh, tight ends used in both of those offenses that, that I mentioned, the Browns and the Vikings. So maybe we see Trey McBride, you know, take a step forward this year. I wouldn't expect much out of Zach Ertz. You know, he tore his ACL and MCL in Week 10 last year. He's 32 right now. He's turning 33 in November. Um, I think McBride would be like a straight flyer pick at the end of your drafts. Um, he did average 10.5 yeah. PPR fantasy points per game uh, during the fantasy playoffs and on. And, you know, he could potentially do some things after being a second round pick last year. Um, and he's also sat behind and played behind a great tight end in Zach Ertz. So right. that's something to monitor there. Um, I'm not banking on it for him, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he came through with some with the opportunity that's been left on the field from DeAndre Hopkins, you know, DeAndre Hopkins leaving the Cardinals. Yeah, that's a big hole in the uh, target share. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> now, if you guys did make it this far, I just want to ask you for, for, for something. Okay, and that's to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review the podcast. I think those two things mean the world to us and just it will help us grow the podcast a ton um, to allow more people to listen. Uh, it only takes a few seconds. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Um, all right, let's move on to the 49ers. They are absolutely stacked on offense, right? Tons of yeah. fantasy options. The big question is the quarterback. Who is it going to be? Who is it going to be, me, man? For me? who? I think it's going to be Trey Lance. And that's just me. Obviously, it's easy to say it's going to be Trey Lance because they drafted him so high. And Brock Purdy's banged up. But I think this is like the golden opportunity for him to kind of just like come back and be like, hey, this is me. I have this upside that I, I don't think Brock Purdy has the upside that Trey Lance has. Or you think that's a fair statement? <laughs> yeah. Hell I yeah. think any quarterback could play in this offense. Trey Lance can elevate it and add yet another dimension, which is his rushing ability. I don't think Brock Purdy has. Brock Purdy can move. He's young. I think he's more of a pocket passer, that kind of thing. Trey Lance has the rushing ability and throwing ability, you know, the X factor skill set that can really just make this offense like stupid to play against. <laughs> and then they have a yeah. championship defense too. Like that's just ridiculous. I think it's going to be Trey Lance. Um, obviously we don't know how exactly Brock Purdy's recovery is going, but 
I think that Brock Purdy, he's an ideal backup in case things don't go with Trey Lance. If Trey Lance, they name him the starter. You know, he starts week one and he plays up to week four and maybe the 49ers aren't doing as well as they want to. They have Brock Purdy to lean on, that kind of thing. So I'm not worried about the offense suffering because of the quarterback play. Either of these guys are going to be serviceable. It's not really going to affect the way I view the offense, regardless of who's starting. But if I had to pick right now today, I think it's Trey Lance. He is the quarterback right now. Okay. Um, now, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Brock Purdy is still recovering from his elbow surgery. Uh, it's right. not a Tommy John surgery, so there is a chance. And Kyle Shanahan is optimistic that Purdy will be their week one starter. Uh, but we have to understand, like you said, that there is a chance that he's not ready for week one. And my guess is that Lance will be the starter for that game. But Sam Darnold also has a chance. Okay, Shanahan did say that once Darnold is more up to speed with the offense, that he'll be getting some first-team reps alongside Lance. So I think we truly have no idea who will be their starter week one. No, uh, Trey Lance is being, <laughs> Yeah, he's being drafted as a quarterback 25 right now, though, on underdog. And in best ball, I am definitely taking my shots, given that you know he's a round 16 quarterback uh, who was a round one quarterback in real life. Okay, so if he ends up as the starter at some point, because it is very possible that Purdy's sample size last year of seven games was so small that he actually is truly a seventh round type of quarterback. Right. right. And Lance turns out to be the round one quarterback and the top 10 pick that he was. Right. Um, and the 49ers thought that he'd be. They drafted him for a reason. Right. Obviously, the major upside, like you mentioned, because of that yeah. rushing ability. Um, and by the way, like if you're not using this time of the offseason, to draft an underdog, I would start right now. There are so many values on the board. Uh, we mentioned James Conner earlier, right? You can take Flyers and Trey Lance at QB 25 uh, before he's declared the week one starter. Um, you know, if that Hollywood happens, in case, in case Purdy yeah. is fact ready or not, Hollywood Brown. But with the format on underdog is called best ball. And it's awesome because you can enjoy one of the best things that we love to do and leave it at that. And that's draft, right? And there's no yeah. in-season management, no waiver wire, you draft 18 to 20 rounds, you have a starting lineup, but you never have to set it. All right, your lineup gets set automatically every single every single week based on who goes off. The guy who would have been on your bench would replace a stud who happened to have a down game um, in your lineup, okay? Yeah. They automatically go into your lineup. So you can draft as many teams as you want. You can play for big money in big tournaments, or you can play in private drafts with your friends. I also have a bunch of private drafts with you guys. If you're keeping up with them on my IG stories, you should check them out. I'm in a couple slow drafts right now with you guys. Um, and right now, Underdog is giving away a 100% match on your first deposit. So they will double your first deposit up to $100 as long as you use the code upper hand when signing up or if you use the link in my description of this episode. Um, and then during the season, you could do those pickums, right? Which we love and we kill it, to be honest with you. So, uh, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get there during the season. But right now, you can do pickums with the NBA Finals coming up, right? The Heat and Nuggets, make, you got to you got to do some of that. Pickums, if you play, if you watch basketball, uh, if you watch baseball, they got some MLB stuff. They got UFC when the, when those are on. They have every sport. So go check it out um, and make sure to use the code upper hand. All right. M moving back. I mentioned Sam Darnold. You're shaking your head, okay? Yeah. Like, I, I, I do think that we can't sleep on Sam Darnold if he ever does get the opportunity because we keep seeing time and time again that quarterbacks thrive under Kyle Shanahan, like you mentioned, right? Yeah. And we've seen flashes from Darnold last year. We've seen a lot of flashes the year before, and that was with Matt Rule, 
Okay, I think Shanahan can get more out of this guy, especially obviously with the supporting cast with all the weapons that they have. Right. I I, I just look at it. You know, you say Shanahan can get more out of this guy. You ever have like a toothpaste and you're you know you're you're trying to get as much as you can out of it. It's relatively empty. You're trying to get as much as you can out of it. That's Sam Darnold. And why would he be playing when you have Trey Lance, full toothpaste, Brock Purdy, I'd say half toothpaste. Like, why would they be playing Sam Darnold? I get it with the injury situation and all that stuff. We're not sure who's going to start. Sam Darnold's a veteran. Trey Lance has just a couple of games. He's pretty much a rookie at this point still in his career. I guess I understand that, but I just don't see a situation. Obviously, you say – we can't sleep on him if he gets those starts. I just don't see him starting. That's just me. And I don't. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy that's like we're never going to see this guy now, play again. But I just look at the QB room. I think that there's much better players there. And one of those two guys, Brock Purdy or Trey Lance, is going to be ready today for Week One. So I, I don't see Sam Darnold overtaking either of them. But I, I hear what you're saying. I, that's my comparison for this situation. I I love that analogy. Um, that, that, that <laughs> is, it was it was amazing to be honest with you. Now I, I I see the situation like, let's say Kyle Shanahan doesn't think that Trey Lance is ready to throw, like in okay. terms of like accuracy issues, you know stuff like that, right? Because you can live with that stuff if you're gonna fully utilize his legs, right? Mm-hmm. So that part I understand, but what if they don't? want to use Trey Lance like that anymore after the injury that he had last year. And they just want somebody to be able to throw the ball and, right. you know, kind of play the role that Jimmy's played, that that Brock played last year, right? I think Sam Darnold can fill some of those shoes, right? And if you ask me mm-hmm. right now, like, who's a better thrower between Darnold and Trey Lance? It's probably Darnold. But how much better is he? Like, is, yeah. is Trey Lance going to be that pocket quarterback if – that's what Kyle Shanahan wants right now. Obviously, he drafted Trey Lance to be that dual threat guy. Yep. He got hurt with a carry up the middle. Like he was being used as a running back, which was probably not an amazing move. Um, yeah. You, you do that with Debo. Just don't do that with your quarterback. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, you have your multi-positional guy already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't need to also do that with him. You know, save it for the outside runs and stuff like that. So. We'll see. Obviously, if I had to pick, I would love for Trey Lance to be that guy because for fantasy, I think he could absolutely kill it. But, you know, yeah. I think that there's – uh, my, my thing is, like, just pay attention because, like, Sam Darnold could get some opportunity yep. at some point. I get that. Um, yeah, and I know you're just playing devil's advocate there too. It's not yeah. Like I, I, Sam I, Darnold's I'm, the one. I'm not a big Sam Darnold fan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, let's talk about these weapons. Um, you have Christian McCaffrey, right, who is my RB1 this year. Is he your RB1 as well? Yeah. That's like okay. enough said on him. Okay. You know, he's yeah. obviously going to be Christian Pretty much. McCaffrey. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we're good on him. I think he should be going where he's going early first round. Like, I'm probably taking Justin Jefferson before him with the number one overall pick if I have it. Uh, but then it becomes a conversation after that. Like elite skills, elite offense. He might have a down game here and there because like Elijah Mitchell is closing out the game for them because like it's a blowout or whatever, you know. But yeah. that isn't that scenario playing out like isn't enough for me to fade him even at that price because of the offense he's on and the upside (laughs) that he presents in those competitive games like in a competitive game the dude could drop 40 on that offense easily all right and i think that's funny to say that like oh well 
Elijah Mitchell is going to be closing out a couple of games for them this season. You know, let's fade Christian McCaffrey at his price. You know, that, that's just funny. <laughs> about that. Like, I'm not going to I take mean, him because the offense he's on, it's too That's good. the argument. that I've heard that argument multiple that's times insane. this offseason. That's why I'm I've addressing it. I've never heard that before. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, yeah. I hope yeah. I'm in leagues with them. <laughs> you know Ooh, saying? burn, burn. <laughs> um, so we got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. You know, beasts. All of them, yeah. right? Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, uh, those guys. So Debo's going off the board as the wide receiver 17 in the third round on underdog. Ayuk as the wide receiver 31 at the 5-6 turn. Um, I think Ayuk is the guy, if I had to choose one, uh, between yeah. these two guys, given their price tags. I think I'm going with Ayuk, man. Yeah, the price tag on Ayuk is fantastic. Wide receiver 31. Yeah. He was last year's wide receiver 15, PPR. Yeah. Like, Come on, this guy commands targets too. And Debo Samuel, he took a step back last season. I'm not saying it's going to continue that way, but at wide receiver 17, I'm looking at the guys going around him. I mean, you have Calvin Ridley, who I really like, you know, this offseason. Amari Cooper's going to be fine. DeAndre Hopkins is right in there. Like, I'd rather have Brandon Ayuk at his price. And obviously, it's all relative to that price that we're talking about. Debo Samuel's a great talent, but we saw who was getting the targets last season, used more traditionally. Obviously, that dual threat ability that Debo Samuel has to run the ball is interesting, you know, in fantasy, but you know, receptions are worth more than running the ball. And if he's going to get more carries and I used to get more targets, like I'm going to take the guy with more targets every day, especially for my wide receiver spot. So yeah, yeah I'm and, with and you on I, that. I also think Ayuk hasn't produced up to what he's capable of. I think there's still room for a breakout, right? Yeah. And it's possible we see that this year. Now it's tough for that to happen. Like if you're not in the elite of the elite, you're not going to like, separate yourself from other really 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 good players um yep. but i think he's like almost there like he's kind of at the cusp where like he might not you know get those 150 160 targets right um but like let's like he he, he reminds me of like stefan diggs where when he wasn't getting enough targets in minnesota he moves to like the bills and he gets 160 targets similar to yeah. that right but he has so much he has all of these guys to compete with um right but you know i, I think i'm okay going with Ayuk five six turn Rather than getting someone like Debo in the third round, because like there's a lot of a lot of good players in the third round. Like I rather combine Ayuk with those guys, um, you know, than kind of chase Debo there. And I understand Debo's upside, but I don't know. I'd rather have Ayuk now. Also, Ayuk was the most targeted player for Brock Purdy last year. So if Purdy ends up being the guy again, you know that Ayuk is going to get it done. Um, yeah. George Kittle was a monster with Purdy as well. Seven touchdowns in seven games. Tight end four off the board in the fifth round this year. I'm okay with that. Like, not sure I love the price, you know, given the variance we could see depending on, you know, if Purdy starts or not. You know, not sure I love Kittle here, but I can understand it, you know. I think if J.K. Dobbins and Joe Mixon are on the board here, which they usually are on underdog, I'm probably picking those guys over Kittle. What are you looking at, like, when you when you see Kittle's price uh, in the fifth round? I'm okay with George Kittle at his price. I mean, if you ask me, you look at the guys going around him. I mean, Kyle Pitts is tight end five. TJ Hawkinson tight end three. You know, Dallas Goddard's going tight end six. I think he's a little bit more of a value. I don't think I'm avoiding George Kittle at any price, though. You know, this is George Kittle we're talking about on a stacked offense. I It doesn't really matter to me. And he actually played really well. His production went up when Brock Purdy played. So if Brock Purdy is the plan week one, you know, George Kittle tight end four, I, I think that, I'm perfectly okay with that. I'm not worried about that at all. All right, let's move on to the Seahawks, okay? Um, Geno Smith took a huge step forward last year. He gets another weapon in Jackson Smith and the Jigba, and I don't know how you can't think that Geno is going to be even better this year, potentially, or at least match what he did last year 
unless you truly believe that last year was just a flash in the pan. Like, I don't know. Right. Like, I really like Gino at his price. QB 16, bro. Like, it's kind of ridiculous, given that he was a QB 1 all of last season. Like, yeah. he was an every week starter for you. And now his offense got better. You got Zach Charbonnet. You got JSM. Kenny McIntosh out of the backfield for him to check it down to. Um, you know, I know that Kenny McIntosh is a seventh-round pick, but I do think that he plays a role in year one. Bit of a hot take, mm-hmm. maybe, but, you know, I think that's going to be the case. Um, so Gino is going to be one of my quarterback targets this year. I don't think that's a bad take at all. I mean, Gino Smith, the price QB 16, like you said, he was finishing, like you said, weekly as a, a QB1, and you mentioned his offense. Like, this is quietly – like, I don't want to compare it to the 49ers, but I kind of do. Because it's really deep at all the skill positions, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, they're lacking a little bit of tight end. They don't have that George Kittle kind of guy. But DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, JSN at wide receiver. That's is that the top wide receiver trio in the league? It could be, man. If JSN comes through year one, yeah. If you look at that, you know, in terms of overall talent across the board, all three positions, I think there's an argument to be made for Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, you know, Tyler Boyd, just because Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are those guys, but. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, JSN. There's no quarterback that shouldn't be able to do well with that supporting cast. And you mentioned the running backs too, Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet. Geno Smith had his breakout, his late breakout last season with not this supporting cast. It was worse. And now it's suddenly even better. Like like you said, like I don't think it was a flash in the pan. I, I, I don't think that Geno Smith is like some one-hit wonder now. He got that contract. He's going to be playing. I am actually pretty big on these guys, you know, you know, for the Seahawks. And one of the wide receivers that I really like is Tyler Lockett. I don't know if, how you feel about that. Would you be in a group? Would you agree? Hell yeah, man. So Metcalf is going off the board as the wide receiver, wide receiver 15 in the third round. Lockett is going off the board as a wide receiver 33 in the yeah. sixth round. So this is a similar situation to the, you know, D-book, 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 <laughs> D-book, yeah, <laughs> the Debo Ayuk <laughs> situation, right? Like similar right. ADPs for both of those guys. And again, I prefer the guy who's going later. Like Lockett, stupid value right now, dude. Like even yeah. with the addition of JSN, like Lockett keeps proving every year that he's way underdrafted, and it's happening again this year. Like for me, yep. he's close to an auto pick in the sixth round. Yeah. Um, you know, and JSN is going ahead of him as the wide receiver thirty, and I get it. But in year one, like I'd bet on Lockett to continue to do what he has been doing in his entire career. And I, I understand he's a little bit older, but like he doesn't play like an older receiver. Like we also don't know right. how much eleven personnel the Seahawks are going to be in. Like they like their wide receiver, their two wide receiver, two tight end sets. Um, now I have to think that they open that up a bit, right? Go yeah. through, go a little bit more three three wide receiver. Given the fact that they, they got JSN, they have to get JSN on the field. But mm-hmm. like. Metcalf, like where he's going, like I prefer some of the running backs, especially on underdog, like like Josh Jacobs, Ramondre Stevenson, like they're going around that range. Like mm-hmm. I'd, I'd much rather pick those guys, honestly, than than yeah. DK Metcalf. I know running backs get taken a little bit earlier in typical redraft home leagues, uh, but yeah. on underdog, like that, those guys are going like right around him. Yeah, I'd take Josh Jacobs over DK Metcalf any day of the week, and that's just because Josh Jacobs is Josh Jacobs. We saw what he did, but then DK Metcalf, he has now two quality receivers, you know, to kind of compete with. And the way I look at it is, JSN can come in. Let's say JSN is just as good as the other two. You know, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett had almost identical production last season. Two completely yeah. different wide receivers and skill sets. 
I see more of that kind of happening. It's just going to spread out even more. And I think that it's going to be very similar to production, JSN, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. So at that point, I think any of them are liable to finish as a wide receiver one any given week. So why would I pay a premium price in the third round for DK Metcalf when I could get the same thing pretty much with Tyler Lockett three rounds later? You know what I mean? So that's how I'm looking at it. I'm playing the value game. Obviously, DK Metcalf is just a monster. But if you want to look at the way that this offense is probably going to run, Geno Smith has shown that he's a distributor. He doesn't really focus in on one wide receiver or another. That's evidenced by this almost identical stat lines between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett last season. I think the same thing's going to happen this way. And that's probably good news, too, for JSN. But I don't see anybody establishing themselves as a clear head and shoulders wide receiver one in this offense. And that's not a bad thing. They're all going to get have their weeks. I, I can totally see that. Um, now, we, we talked about this backfield way too much already. Um, but in a nutshell, I'm avoiding it. Right? I love Kenneth yep. Walker, but I'm not drafting him as the RB15 where he's going right now with Charbonnet around. He doesn't catch passes. He might max out at 15 to 16 carries per game. It, assuming Charbonnet has a real role. So it's that simple for me, dude. Like yeah. Charbonnet is being drafted as an RB32. Even there, I'm out. Like he could provide value if Walker gets hurt. I think mm-hmm. I, I would call him like a handcuff plus. Okay. So he's going the ninth yeah. round. I call him a handcuff plus because like he'll have some touches, but also hurt. But, you know, I'm not drafting him just solely for that reason. Yeah. So I think there me especially with where walker's going right now like i i like him like i think he can be legit 1a but he needs to be cheaper for me yeah the whole problem with this backfield is the price that they're going at they're both kind of inflated i feel like i'm avoiding them at the price but i'm saying if either of them falls like two or three rounds later and that's that's sure. drastic if either of them falls two or three rounds rounds later this is still a good offense they're going to produce it's just not going to be up to the level that you would get drafting somebody else where they're going you know what I mean? So it's not like yeah. they're both good players. I'm not like avoiding them because like, oh, they're not going to produce. They're, they're going to suck. No, it's just because of the situation they're in. All right, let's talk about the Rams, man. So who are we targeting on this offense, like besides Cooper Cup? Like I think the only guys, like only other fantasy relevant player on this team right now is K-Makers. Now, there yeah. is some concern with Cup, you know, because of the fact that Stafford had a, a very tough injury-plagued season last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but according to some of the me- medical experts I've spoken to, Stafford's injuries – like individually, they're not like super related to each other. They should heal to a point where he should be fine for this season. So I think we should be okay with Cup being taken early first round, like as this elite fantasy player. Now Stafford has been relatively injury prone throughout his career. Like, does that give you a little bit of pause for Cooper Cup? Um, no. I mean, I think that Cooper Cup's going to produce regardless. I think he's the safest bet on this offense 100%. There's no doubt. With Matthew Stafford, though, like it wasn't just the injuries. I don't want to just excuse the performance last season because of injuries. You know, he missed a lot of time last season, but even when he was playing, like it was rough. So he took a step back, obviously, from the year that they won the Super Bowl. That was 2021. Yeah. Yeah. And he had just 10 touchdowns in nine games and also threw eight interceptions, which is obviously not ideal. So he didn't look the same. And, and I think all of those touchdowns probably went to Cooper Cup. Yeah, and that's the thing. Cooper Cup looked like he had a normal, you know, this is Cooper Cup production, you know. He just targets him and that's it. And that's one way to do it for fantasy. That's fantastic for winning football games. That's really not. So I'm not too worried about Cooper Cup, even if Stafford has to play a little banged up because that's kind of what I think was going on. If if Stafford gets back to 100%, um, 
like he was last season, then I'm not worried about it because he was playing poorly and Cooper Cup was still producing. If you want to look at it that way, I'm not worried about that. Even if, if he does play a little bit banged up, I'm not sure. I'm not giving it too much pause, though, like you said, to answer your question. Like, Cooper Cup is that guy. He's going to get the targets. He's separating, like, ridiculous. Like, he's still a route-running machine. He can catch. I'm not worried about Cooper Cup at all, regardless of what happens in this offense. It, it all goes back to Matthew Stafford, and that's the X factor for determining whether they're going to be competing or just losing this season. I, I think Matthew Stafford, I don't really like him this season. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. And as far as Cam Makers goes, like, uh, there isn't really a whole lot of competition. Like, I wouldn't consider Kyra Williams or – Zach Evans to be like real threats to Acres, and you right. know from that standpoint, you know Acres is probably in line for a lot of touches this year. He averaged twenty three touches per game over his last three games of last year, um, and that resulted in one hundred thirty six average yards from scrimmage. Um, so he, and he's going off the board as the RB twenty four, you know, low end RB two. There are some better picks in my opinion going a little bit after him, like James Conner and David Montgomery. I think I'd rather have those two guys, uh, but that's about it. So. Like, I think I'm okay with the price. Like, we don't know what the situation is going to be like with the player like him post-Achilles. You know, he's obviously a season removed from that. Um, I'm not, like, overly excited to grab him, but I think there's a world where he's, like, a solid RB2 this year. Um, now, let me ask you this. Rashad White is going right next to him. Assuming you're in a full PPR league, who would you rather draft today, him or Rashad White? Cam Akers. Okay. It is not even close for me. I'm not – I know you're a Rashad White guy. I am not. I'm not, I'm not a humongous on Rashad White. You, eh, I guess maybe as a waiver guy last season. We talked about him as a waiver guy. Yeah, okay. I'll give you that. But Cam Akers, I think, has the upside to be that every down back that we kind of saw last season at the end where he's producing like ridiculous amounts, rushing for a bunch of yards. That's what we wanted to see all season, last season. I think that he has that chance um, this season to capitalize. He's only 23 years old. His best days are ahead of him. He's now full year removed further from the Achilles tear that took him out in 2021. I, I'm big on Cam Akers at his price, and I'm big on another guy going right next to him in the draft, but we'll talk about him on Thursday. That's Isaiah Pacheco. We'll get in on that. But So both of those guys are like the dead zone running backs. I, I love them, though. I, I think I'm okay taking Rashad White there. Like, if I had to guess who's going to have a higher floor every week, I think it would be Rashad White. My only concern with White is that he was pretty ineffective on the ground. And is there going to be somebody to compliment him there? Right? We That's don't know that. Saying, yeah. And so, you know, if I but if I know that he's going to be a three down player and I know he his his real skill sets in the receiving game, right? He could be an elite player there. So right. that's why I'm kind of holding out hope that if if there is no running back that joins this backfield like a veteran, like a Zeke, you know, I don't think Fortnite's gonna go back there. Um but if that happens, then obviously his upside decreases, like the goal line role, stuff like that. Yeah. And already that offense isn't going to be that good for there to ha be a legit goal line role. So I, I, I think I, I like Rashad White just because I think he could potentially give you five to six catches per game. And I think Cam Akers is not going to be doing anywhere close to that um, or getting any production close to that in terms of the receiving game. Mm -hmm. That's where I think the, the difference is for me. Um, which offense will be better? I think the Bucks offense is going to be better than the Rams next year. So, you know, is it more opportunity? Yeah, I think the Bucks are going to be better than the the Rams. That's a hot yeah. take for me. Is it really? I, don't know. I think the Rams are, are going to be absolutely terrible this year. The Bucks at least have some weapons, man. On offense, I don't think they're going to be horrific. I'm more concerned about the Rams' defense, but horrific. Like, I don't think offense is going to be that bad. I mean, who's quarterbacking the Buccaneers? The offensive line stinks. <laughs> okay, 
Cam Akers is all they have in the backfield. It doesn't really matter who they have in the backfield, to be honest with you. Matt Stafford, I don't know how long he's going to hold up for, and they have nobody outside of Cooper Cup to pass the ball to. That's fair. Well, what about Tyler Higby? <laughs> exactly. That yeah, my exactly. Case. Now, I, hear now, you, I will say... I, I, yeah. yeah, go ahead. This is the listen, fucking ears. It, it, they have Baker Mayfield, okay, who, who's, 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 you know, he's not great, but, like, if you have Chris Godwin, you, ha- you have Mike Evans there, like, that's already, like, an upgrade, you know what I'm saying, uh, in the yeah. past game, at least, you know, like, so I think, I think the offense can be okay, I think they can I guess be, their offensive line but, is better, too. Yeah, they can be yeah. less than average, I would say, but I think the Rams has have the chance to be, like, a top, like, a bottom, like, bottom eight offense a top eight bad offense top eight bad offense i really do now i will say like another note here is that you know rookie wide receiver puka nakua right Mm -hmm. day three pick they have a chance he has a chance to start for the rams at some point this year it could be even week one um yeah he's a late round or like free agency you know waiver guy to pay attention to you know he's wearing robert wood's old number so that means a lot yeah. Uh, but also the the word is that in rookie OTAs, like according to the Athletics, Jordan Rodriguez, who's super close to the team, his only competition right now is Ben Skoranek. He can win that job opposite Van Jefferson, on, uh, opposite Van Jefferson on the outside, mm-hmm. and you know he's been standing out at OTAs. So someone to pay attention to late yeah. in drafts, or just Definitely. wait for free agency, pick him up before week one. Yeah, That's especially all. considering it's Cooper Cup and then nobody. Behind pretty him, much, like you said, pretty much. I mean, what does he have to go through? It's not like he's running through barbed wire trying to get through up through this depth chart. It's just going to be, oh, he'll just it's no, plays. it's no secret that I'm a big Puka, Puka fan after watching right. him at the senior bowl. So if he could do his thing and then Cam, you know, Sean Bay can work his magic with how he schemes up wide receivers, I think Puka could be pretty productive as long as he can yeah. stay healthy. I'm with you. That's going to do it for this one. If you want the full rankings, Patreon.com slash Upperhand Fantasy, Superflex, Dynasty, Redraft, Non-Superflex, all of it. PPR, half PPR, whatever. Whatever format you're playing, you can find the rankings there. Patreon.com slash Upperhand Fantasy. Make sure to check out Underdog. Use the code Upperhand uh, for a 100% match on your first deposit. Play some best ball. You know, take advantage of a lot of these values that we've been talking about during this podcast and others. And that's going to do it, guys. Appreciate you. Rate and review the podcast if you can. Subscribe as well. We'll be back on Friday talking about the NFC AFC West. West. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) AFC West. All right. Talk to you guys then. See you later. Bye-bye.